You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 290. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 290. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hey, baby. Mother. Well, hello. Merler. Merler. That's our little baby talk. <laughs> That's our latest iteration of my love. My love. Is <laughs> Merler. Merler. Oh, yeah. Pretty. <laughs> gr- Everyone's like, <laughs> starting off with a vomit. Yeah. You got you to gotta start off with a spit take once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. I am really excited about this week's topic. And this is something that came from some listeners. And I've actually heard it throughout, you know, that my time in personal development around how the hell do I break up with a friend? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Sad moment. If I've outgrown this friendship or it feels really toxic or they're really negative or it's just not that fulfilling for you anymore. And like, what does that even look like? What do, how, what? Like, what do I do with that? And it can feel really awkward and also like there's no other option except to just stick with it and deal with it. I see a lot of people doing that or to just run away altogether and just completely ghost somebody, which I don't think is is totally cool. But we're going to dig into all the ins and outs of this and sort of the nuances surrounding this so you can hopefully have some very tactile ways to approach this if you find yourself in one of these type of predicaments. But as you know, we don't like to jump into the serious shit without warming up the mics a little bit. Gonna warm up with a little comedy. That's right. This isn't necessarily comedy, but it's a good one. So let's go into a little segment we like to call. Would you rather? And today's would you rather is. <laughs> would you rather? You're so cute. Be an Olympic gold medal winner. Oh. Or. A Nobel Peace Prize winner. It's a win-win. Oh, it's a win-win for everybody. It's literally a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? Do you see what I did there? Award winner. <laughs> Regardless, you're a winner. Well, I had a friend that told me that I was doing too many negative ones. Yeah, that's true. So that's I was like, funny. let's do a positive one. That's right. We got we got some would you rather feedback. Yeah, yeah. On this extremely expensive podcast that you guys all pay for. It, yeah, there's a lot of production <laughs> value. High quality production Since value. Since they've paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I always think like, yeah, and this is fucking free. It's so free. If you don't like it, switch channels. That's right. <laughs> no, but of course we do appreciate feedback and stuff of like course. that. So thank you for that. And I, let me think. I think I would, so Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. Is that what Biden just got and Ellen DeGeneres Did got? Did Biden get one? I know Obama got one. Did Obama? I I don't know. Yeah. I'm I I don't even know all of the ins and outs of what that constitutes. So a, a Nobel Peace Prize is for things that bring peace to the earth. 
Okay, so isn't right, there like another one though that's peaceful. like for advancements in certain areas? Well, I think there's I think there's five different ones. I can't remember what they are, but there's like Gosh. five different categories of Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, I I would choose that. Let me one. look it up real quick. I would choose that one for sure because I feel like I, I just have never really identified <laughs> as an athlete. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to think that I'm pretty badass now that I'm in kickboxing and stuff. Yeah, but you do. I, I'm just not an athlete. I wasn't an athlete in high school or growing up. I was the drama choir girl, shocker. Mm-hmm. And I, I just. The drama queen. Exactly. I don't voted most dramatic 1997. Thank you very much. I, I just don't, I don't know if I care about that as much. Now, if you were to say something like best actor or a Grammy or something like that. Well, that's that, not the two choices. So. You, ew, ew. <laughs> You're like, so this is so, my segment. And so would you like to do the would you rather or, or would you like to do mine? So I'm just <laughs> explaining my reasoning. Wow. Wow, Mr. Smith. So I pick Nobel Peace. Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. So just for clarity, okay. what a Nobel Peace Prize is, it's since 1901 it's been given out. Oh, wow. Uh, it's been awarded annually, with some exceptions, to those who have done the most or the best work for fraternity between nations, for the ab- abolition of, or reduction of standing armies, and for the holding and promotion of peace congresses. I still think I'd go for that. So it's like, have you done anything to foster nations... Coming together. Coming together. Have you been able to stop conflicts or promote peace in some way? I definitely pick that one. You pick that one? Yeah. I pick that one. I think the world needs more of that anyway. I feel like it's way more in alignment with just my life purpose and why I'm here and all of those things. I agree. But again, it's also largely because I just don't identify as an athlete. And so that's not something that's embedded in me where I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's quite an accomplishment, don't get me wrong. but and, And not to minimize it at all. But if you are a Nobel Peace winner, that's once a year. One a year. Since 1901. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's lots of different. And, and how many gold medals are there? There's Winter and summer every four years. Yeah. And how many categories? Right. You know, not to minimize it because it's an amazing accomplishment. But for me, like a Nobel Peace Prize that's has a lot more intense. value to it to me. That's mm-hmm. that's a that's an interesting perspective. So we would love to hear what you would rather. And we talk about it every single week over in our after hours community. And that's my my private Facebook group. And it's really awesome. Just so much great camaraderie and support for one another. And I keep everything very tidy in there so nobody's being spammy and selling shit. It's very streamlined and it's a you keep your pillows fluffed in there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I keep all the pillows fluffed and, you know, some sweet tea ready yeah. for everyone. Yeah. A little uh, aromatherapy. That's know? right. I just can't stand when you get into groups and then all it is is self-promotion and selling you shit and all of that. For so sure. I keep it very focused on the topics at hand. Every Thursday, I do a Q&A segment where I answer questions that have been coming up for the group. So it's just an amazing time. And on Mondays, we talk about what we would rather. And we, you know, have fun discussing it and Mr. Smith cracks the whip on any loopholes. So if you want to join us, all you have to do is go over to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That will redirect you right over to our little group and you can share with us what, what came up for you today. So let's jump into talking about this friendship breakup Hmm. and oh my God, how the fuck do I navigate this? How sad. Yeah. How sad and... 
potentially liberating. Yeah, uh, that's the word that came up for me too, actually. And freeing. Really? Yeah. Liberate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Liberating. I just remember you had a friendship and it was so frustrating for you because he would only call you when he needed things. Yeah. And, yeah. and I called him out on it and I never heard from him again. That's right. <laughs> but it, it, and yes, like that sucks. And you know exactly what's up. You know mm-hmm. exactly where you stood. You know exactly what the nature of that friendship was. Yeah. And and it just doesn't feel good to be in community with people who you feel are taking and taking and taking from you. So I want to frame this up a little bit before we jump in because I think that there's some really important elements to this whole thing. First of all, I want to talk briefly about a, a metaphor that was created by Stephen Covey, and it's called the emotional bank account. Oh yeah, and this is good. I've talked about this hand here and there throughout the podcast, and I have sort of an iteration of it that I call the bank account analogy. Really, really riveting. I know, but it's, it's sort a very of a creative title. It's a very iteration yeah. of that. It's really his stuff. But the idea is that if we were looking at our emotional and spiritual selves the same way we look at our bank account. It would look like for many of us that we're allowing all of these people in our world to constantly withdraw from the account of our life. And if it was actually money, would we ever allow that behavior? Like the person who constantly is critical of you or who flakes on you last minute and doesn't understand why that's a big deal to you and dismisses you and doesn't care. The one who you would go hang out with at any hour of the night and would come to their rescue, but they would never do the same in return for you. Mm -hmm. Those are the types of things that I'm talking about. That's like somebody withdrawing a hundred bucks here, maybe a thousand bucks here, maybe 15,000 over here, maybe $10 over here. That's what's happening in our emotional bank account. So if you would not tolerate that kind of a behavior with your bank account, then we need to also not tolerate that kind of a behavior with people who are stealing from our emotional and spiritual selves. Sure. There's also an additional thing that I think happens where we start giving out ATMs and we start giving out or ATM cards or checkbooks. Sure. To the tango, right? We're allowing those people to continue to take from us. Yep. And a lot of that sort of fictitious idea of giving somebody a debit card is what happens when you choose not to speak up. Yeah. yeah. When somebody does something that you should not tolerate, that you know you, you are not deserving of, but you choose not to say anything, that's like you handing them a thousand dollars. That's right. Right? Like here, steal from me, take from me. <laughs> I don't value myself well enough. Teach people how to treat you kind of thing, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And so the goal with this whole perspective around a bank account analogy is that we have people in our lives who we're all just reciprocally putting money into each other's accounts. We are depositing, depositing, depositing so that when there's any type of withdrawal from any side, it's not that significant, Mm -hmm. right? So I'll give you an example. My best friend and I, we are constantly depositing into each other's account through a lot of different means. Sometimes it's by, you know, when I was having a bunch of health stuff that happened this past fall, my best friend immediately was like, 
do you need me to come out? Do you need me? Because she's two hours away. Do you want me to come stay with you? Like immediately was, what can I do? What can I do? Very supportive. We constantly celebrate holidays together. We remember important things in each other's lives. We check in on, hey, how is it going with that new launch that you're doing? You know, we're constantly building each other up and depositing, 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 depositing. So that when one of us needs to withdraw, when we need to lean on that other one a little stronger than we normally do, it's all good because there's such a surplus of deposits. So when she went through a really rough time losing her father, I knew that she wasn't going to be able to deposit in my account. Sure. I knew that it was, she was just struggling and she was going to withdraw from me. Right. And that was okay because we were in a season and it wasn't the chronic way the the relationship function. Sure. So I want you to keep an eye out on what is the norm for the relationship. The other thing that I wanted to make mention is that we're not taught how to navigate this. You can look at any Barnes and Noble and you will find a wealth of books about relationships and marriages and in, you know, intimate partnerships and sex. You don't find a wealth of books about how to cultivate relationships or uh, friendships rather. That's true. It's not like here's how you deal with a tough conversation with a friend. Yeah, that's true. Right? I mean, even when we think Someone about- Someone should write a book about that. Somebody should. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Even as kids growing up, you know, we learn a lot of lessons about men and women and dating and all of that from the media, from television, from our parents. We're constantly hearing about that relationship, but we don't hear a lot about friendships. Mm-hmm. And so I want to offer a couple of, of solutions with regards to this. The other thing I want you to keep in mind before I share some some really key things I want you to journal around is that we have what I like to call historical allegiance that shows up a large majority of the time. Historical allegiance is basically some sort of devotion or obligation that you've deemed necessary in this friendship because you've been friends for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, well, we've been friends since we were nine, or oh, he saw me through my divorce, or oh, you know, we were drinking buddies in college, or there's something that feels like the tenure alone means you need to tolerate shitty behavior. Hmm. Like, well, I can't put up a boundary, or I I, I don't want to say anything to her now, because I've allowed this to go on for 10 years. It's like, well, Do you want to keep allowing it or do you want to try to create something new inside of this friendship? Like I could have easily just said, oh, that guy just never always calls me when he needs something and just complained about it. That's right. But I actually confronted him. on. I didn't confront him. I just mentioned it. You called it out. Said, oh, it's interesting. Seems like the only time you call me is when you need something. Yep. And um, we laughed it off, but never heard from him again. But I think it's important (laughs) because it, it, it told me exactly where I stood, like you said. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I actually feel better about it because I didn't want that type of relationship. And you gave voice to it. Right. Like you took a stand for yourself. That was really amazing. A lot of people just allow it to go on. But, but yeah, that's great. Uh, and you may be getting to this, but something that, that I did say is like, hey, you just call me if you want to talk. Mm. You know, it's, provide an alternative. I love it. Yeah. So good. Yes. And we will get to that. But that's a great example of actually asking for what you need 
is providing a great alternative or right. a suggestion or what would you think about this kind right. of thing. And I've definitely done that in the past with with friends as well. So here's what I want you to do. My before I leave this this concept of historical allegiance, I want you to the reason why I bring that up is I want you to analyze your relationships from that perspective of if I just met this person and we went out and got dinner or we went skating or bowling or whatever, would I want to continue that friendship now? Take away everything that you've been you've been through or all of that. We were in a sorority together. Any of that. Take away all of that and just look at, is this person somebody who I really want to connect with now? And keep that in mind. Now, that does not mean that we're going to kick them to the curb at all. But it does mean that there might be some serious conversations to be had. So here's what I want you to start journaling around. This is where we take your specific scenario and get really clear about what's happening in your dynamic. So the first thing that I really want you to ask yourself, and again, you can think about these things, but I really believe getting it out on paper and journaling about it can provide unbelievable insight. Mm -hmm. Or even, I mean, if you really are adverse to writing stuff down, have a thoughtful conversation with a a different friend or a a spouse or a child, whatever, somebody else that you trust, just so that you can create some clarity. The first question is, what makes me want to end this friendship? What makes me want to end this friendship? It's likely that you're going to start off with a bunch of things that you don't like about that person. They always flick on me. They they are always mean about my body. They say stupid shit. Uh, they are negative to me about my relationship with my husband. They always make funny little jokes that I don't find funny, you know, snide little remarks. A lot of times we'll start off by looking at all the reasons why that friend is shitty. Then I want you to ask yourself, what have you said to address that behavior? Have you said, hey, it really bothers me that we make plans and then you cancel on me last minute. You know, like I get so excited to connect with you and hang out with you. And when that happens, it feels to me like I don't matter as much. And I know Mm -hmm. we're wired differently as far as time and appointments and plans, but here's my request and actually being really clear about what you're asking for. Most of the time that's not happening. We're just observing behavior from somebody, making up a bunch of shit, and then being pissed at them for it. That's right. So this question of what makes me want to end this friendship, there's usually two major pieces here. Either, and not always, but either it genuinely feels unfulfilling or unhealthy in some way. The relationship does. Or you are really afraid of a tough conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the the anecdote I just shared, that situation is very clear. If you're bitching and bitching and bitching about a friendship, look directly across to the other side of what did you say to address these issues. If you have said nothing, or if you've only joked about it, or kind of made snide remarks in the back to them, but you've never really said, hey, this really bothers me, then this is a tough conversation issue. This is, you haven't even given them the opportunity to be what you need, right? If you haven't spoken up. But getting really clear here is really important because 
there might be people in your life who it's, they just are straight up unhealthy or it's just toxic. Like they just always make fun of other people when, when you're around or it's very clear with what they say that they're extremely racist or homophobic or whatever it is that's in direct opposition to how you function. It's okay to go, that person's not for me. It's okay. It does not mean that you have to have a sit-down conversation with them, and we'll talk about specific methods here, but you have to get really clear for you what's on them and what's on you, all right? So what makes me want to end this friendship? Is it because it genuinely feels unhealthy and unfulfilling, or is it because I'm afraid of addressing some of this shit? Hmm. I'm afraid of speaking up for myself. I'm afraid. Why are you afraid? You know, I think that's a good thing to examine. Call mm-hmm. yourself out on. Why don't I want to confront this person? Is it not that big of a deal, but I just complain about it anyway? Mm-hmm. Or is it a big deal and it's going to blow up? You know, like what's the... Or am I afraid of rejection? Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I afraid of abandonment? Am I afraid of dealing with strong words back and forth? Like I just don't want to deal with a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you're choosing that, you're also choosing self-sacrifice. I think that's probably uncomfortable in the moment, but it actually th- makes things more comfortable in the long run. You know what I mean? Like you can deal with the discomfort for a while and be okay with it. Right. Right. But, but it's, it's nice to manage that and then have everything be cool again. Right. You know, like it's so much less stress on your body. Tackle it. God, yeah. Yeah. Tackle and fuel. I want you to think about all those mean people. They're going to be your tackling fuel. Tackling fuel. We're going to use them to play football. Tackling fuel. Tackling fuel. Well, just take care of it then. Yeah. Yeah, like you were saying. And sometimes it involves circling back, you know, maybe after a situation where they flaked on you over the weekend and it really pissed you off. It might not be till the next week that you say, hey, I would really love to chat about that. To be totally honest with you, it really bummed me out. And I I value you so much. I would love to just kind of chat about it and express Mm -hmm. how I interpreted that situation and then give you the opportunity to tell me what was really happening for you, right? And yeah. actually have a collaborative relationship in that regard. Okay, number two. Is there any way he or she could win with you? Now, this is kind of what I was alluding to with, is there capability if they were given the opportunity to be what you need? Could they actually be better about appointments? Could they possibly change some stuff if they actually knew how much it bothered you? So this helps to kind of decipher, yeah, they actually could win with me by not flaking out on me, not doing this, not doing that, doing this more often. Okay, great. Then that's all the shit you need to talk to them about. If you look at the situation and go, I just don't think there is any way we could have a really fulfilling friendship. At this stage of the game, whether it's their political opinions, religious opinions, their just ethics and how they operate, or maybe it's even like an addiction, something like that. Like they've gotten involved in something that you just can't stand, you cannot allow, you can't tolerate. That's reason to be like, you know what? There's really no way that this could be a fulfilling friendship. They can't. Even at their best, I don't think we would have a good relationship, right? So 
First question, what makes me want to end this friendship? Second question, is there any way he or she could win with me? Is there, basically that's like, is there hope? If we talk about this stuff, is there hope that we could actually really work this out? Number three, and this is kind of what you were talking about earlier. What do you need to give voice to in order to be proud of yourself? Yeah. And I don't know as if you were really consciously thinking that back in that scenario. I don't think so. But it was, it was so clear that you needed to kind of speak up for yourself and say something. Well, I had said something to you and then being the coach that you are, you're like, well, you should say something then. Call it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I forgot. Wow. That was really great advice. So I did. (laughs) So what do you need to give voice to in order to be proud of yourself? Now, sometimes depending on the friendship, you don't have to say anything. If you have determined that you've just really grown apart, it's not really that fulfilling for you anymore, you avoid their calls, you feel like every time you hang out, it's just an obligation, and you're just straight up not that interested in cultivating a rich friendship, it could be very likely that it's just not worth the combo. It's not even worth it. Now, I would argue that most of the time it is yeah. if it is a long-standing friendship. If you have any type of any type of standing system, like where you always exchange gifts during the holidays, or you always text each other, or you know, there's something where there's it's actually a friendship, then we need to address that stuff, right? Yeah. It's very different than if somebody just kind of pops into your life here and there. But I would guess that most of the time it's worth a conversation. So I'll give you an example. I had a friend years and years ago who was essentially my best friend at the time. And there were certain things that I felt every time we hung out together, we would end up picking our bodies apart and talking shit about ourselves in a really disparaging way. And a lot of it had to do with the industry that she was a part of. So she was a performer and constantly involved with a lot of pressure about her body and her appearance from from the media and from LA and like Hollywood, Sure, right? Yep. So it was Im- embedded in her mind to kind of be thinking of that all the time. How am I going to look for this next audition? All of those things. And I really felt like I can't keep hanging out and having this as the topic of conversation. So I got myself all prepped up and I told her that I wanted to have a conversation with her about it. And I was bawling my eyes out. It was totally messy. And I said, This relationship matters so much to me that I don't want to have something that's bothering me and allow it to just fester and not even bring it to you. I want to discuss stuff with you. I want to work through things together and I want to genuinely hear your side of the story. Now, at the time, I had not developed all of my communication skills. I had Mm -hmm. not, I wasn't teaching it as a part of my curriculum and having all these really solid techniques. Oh, you're just a natural. It was a fucking mess. (laughs) Let me tell you, it was a big mess. And so because I was able to open up that opportunity though for her to talk, she was like, you know, it's one of the most challenging things for me in my relationship with my body. And she got so vulnerable with me and just said how difficult it is to be a part of this industry. And 
And at first I think she was defensive and she kind of felt like I can't do anything right in any of my relationships. And, and I was like, no, stop. That's not what's happening. This is, I value our relationship so much that we're working through this stuff. That's what's happening. Yeah. And, and so was able to kind of shift gears a little bit. And then we had sort of a, an understanding and an agreement. You know, I said, you, I am not going to tell you how to live your life. I am not going to tell you what you can or can't talk about. What I will say is I'm not going, I am not able to engage in those conversations when we hang out. So if, and I, you know, created a boundary around it. Like if you go into this place where you want to like grab on your cellulite and show me, I'm going to ignore you. Or I'm going to be like, anyway, you know, (laughs) and that would be sort of our cue to move on. But these are the types of conversations that we're so deathly afraid of having, but it actually sparks so much more vulnerability and intimacy and you create such a closer relationship. And we really did the times when we dissected those sorts of things, we got so much closer. It does. Definitely. A lot of the reason why we're not as close to friends now had to do with geography and just not being close. Yeah. Where she's in like New York or something now, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And we used to see each other all the time and I still had no hard feelings at all, but that's just a great example of this meant so much to me. And if the tables were turned, I would definitely want her to bring that to me. I would definitely want her to say something to me because what you have to remember is a lot of times the behavior that you find so insidious by your best friends or your, or even just friends in general, unless you say something or anything that that's bothersome to you, they might have zero idea that it's even a problem. They, it might not make rational sense to them. They might have grown up in an environment where teasing was always the thing, not realizing that that gets your goat like crazy. So if you haven't spoken up, that is on you. All right. So we've got number one, what makes me want to end this friendship? Is it unfulfilling, unhealthy, or am I just scared of a tough conversation? Number two, is there any way that they could really win with you? And number three, what do you need to give voice to in order to be proud of yourself? So let's assume that the decision is going to be that you want to end the friendship, right? You've determined that it's way too toxic, that you are not as aligned in this area of your life or this stage of your lives, hmm. and you've decided that you you do want to move on beyond this friendship. I think that you've got two major options, all right? I think most of you guys are going to fall into one of two categories with this whole concept, right? I think you're either going to go, wow, I really need to just be way more vocal in my relationships. Yeah. Or you're going to go, yeah, this is a friendship that I really do need to end. Mm -hmm. It's going to be usually one one of those two. Now, if it is the one of I do need to end this or kind of move away, I think that there's two ways to go about it. One is what I've borrowed kind of from the dating world called the slow fade. (laughs) This is where not total ghosting, not where you just drop off the face of the earth, but where you just kind of gradually aren't as available. Maybe you don't initiate get-togethers. Maybe you don't call as much. And you just allow the friendship to kind of run its course. I don't think there's any problem with that. In <laughs> fact, I think it's really a large piece of how we operate. 
I, you know, I agree. it's just we have seasons of friendships. I don't think that's a big issue. Now, if it is, if it is something where, let's say, an addiction has come into place and you know that if it wasn't for this major element that they have in their life, you could totally stay friends. But that might involve the second option, which is having a heart to heart and saying, listen, I love you so much, but I cannot continue to watch you throw your life away to cocaine or to partying or to whatever. I've also seen people where they've had to end a friendship because of the friend is in a really toxic marriage or intimate partnership Mm -hmm. where it's like, I love this friend so much. I want to be there for them, but I cannot watch them do this over and over again. That sort of ending of a friendship warrants a conversation warrants you having a heart to heart, sitting down and being really clear about this. This is just not something that I'm able to be a part of. It's not that I don't love you and support you. (laughs) It's that it, it costs me my integrity to pretend like this is okay for you to keep going back and forth in this relationship to be abused by him. And, and then you can set up your own parameters, your own guidelines there. So those are kind of your methods. Now, I will say you can use that heart to heart even if you're going to stay in the friendship. It doesn't have to be a breakup heart to heart. That's true. It can be a, hey, here's what I'm learning and noticing. What would you think about this kind of heart to heart? For instance, with that friend of mine, I didn't do this, but I could have said, hey, I really want to talk to you about this one particular issue. Talk about it and then say, What would you think about this? What if every time we notice one of us says something negative about ourselves, we catch each other like, hey, hey, say something positive or turn it around. Something like that where you have an understanding of how to go forward with regards to that topic. I had uh, a situation very similar to the example that I was giving you where I had to have a heart to heart with another one of my best friends at the time. And basically just said, I cannot support your marriage and your relationship that you're in. So the boundaries that we put up around that was, we're not going to talk about him. So when she would come over to my house or when I would go hang out with her, we would hang out at like a restaurant or someplace where I wouldn't be around him. And you know, or, and, or she would come to my place. Well, what ended up happening was the slow fade happened naturally after that, after we put up the boundaries, because I couldn't share with her a lot of really personal things and perspectives about what I saw for her life. And she couldn't share her marriage with her best friend. Like she couldn't talk about the thing that mattered the most to her. So it became the most healthy thing for both of us to, disband. And that happened very naturally over time. So you get to kind of navigate what the best decision is for your relationship. If it's something that you want to stay in, you want to continue down this this path and this relationship, it's probably going to take a conversation. It's probably going to take a boundary. Now, if you do the slow fade, from somebody who maybe you're not that close to or you're not that excited to continue the friendship or it's really run its course or they're always like yours, always asking you for things that they need instead of really being a true friend. Yeah. 
and you do the slow fade, and let's use your example, if they ask you, hey, what's up? I haven't heard from you for a while. That's your opportunity to say, I'm going to be really honest with you. I started to feel like every time we talked, you just wanted something from me. And it didn't really feel very good. So I just started to kind of distance myself. And then you can say at that juncture, you know, now in hindsight, it sounds like you probably would have liked that that heads up. I honestly didn't know that the relationship was that important to you. So you, my challenge to you is if anyone circles back after you've slow faded mm-hmm. and says, hey, where have you gone? That sh- signifies to me that they thought that the relationship was closer than you did. Or yeah. they expected you to be business as usual and you aren't. So that warrants just stating what's there. Like, to be honest with you, it got really, really challenging for me to feel as though you always chose other people first. If there was two events going on, you always chose them and wouldn't come out with me. Or uh, to be to be really candid with you, it got really hard that you canceled on me all the time. And I really, I guess, to avoid being rejected, I just stopped calling. So it's a way to address the issue after the fact yeah. with somebody that you've already kind of determined you don't really want to create that rich of a friendship with. It makes sense. I mean, it's it's things that we say in our head. We just need to say to the person. That's right. At the end of the day, right? Or things you say to your spouse. Or to your best friend or other friends or coworkers or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Without telling the person that matters. Right, That's right. Right, right. Exactly. And if you're complaining about a person over and over and over again, but you're not doing anything about it, that's on you mm-hmm. because they don't have any inkling that it is an issue for you. The other piece of that is if you've told them, but you've only told them yelling and screaming, that doesn't count. That's usually not the case with friends. They're usually not that volatile unless you're on like real housewives, but you know, usually we're not screaming and yelling. But yeah, if if it would be a shock to them, then it's probably something you could give voice to. The final thought that I wanted to leave you with is you aren't being judgy. You aren't being a dick for outgrowing a friendship or for not wanting it in your life anymore. It's, you know, it's like deciding, okay, I'm not going to, I think I'm going to stop eating gluten. You don't spend all this time judging gluten about why it's so shitty. You just go, oh no, I actually, my life is just better when I cut it out. (laughs) <laughs> it's a poor gluten. It's the thing that is the same thing that's happening in a friendship. It's you're not spending all this time in blame or resentment or hatred. It's just acknowledging self-care. I have to take care of myself. And the more you nurture that, the more you're able to kind of stand strong in that. And I will tell you too, specifically about the blame. I don't know if you guys have caught this, but I have a free workshop that's happening right now. And I talk a lot about the blame issue in that. And it's one of the first major shifts that I see that needs to happen with people who really want to feel enough. They really want to feel valuable. Because spoiler alert, guys, a lot of the reason why we don't speak up in these situations is because we don't think we're worthy. We don't think that we're enough. So it's easier to either blame external people or blame ourselves. So this workshop is completely free. You can access it now. I can't believe I spaced on member on 
telling you guys or reminding you guys about it. <laughs> Basically, what it is, is it's the five major shifts that I have seen that have to happen in order to get you to a place where you're genuinely happy. It's about letting go of perfectionism, letting go of people-pleasing, letting go of self-doubt. And a major piece of that is blame. Yeah. So if you have a lot of self-blame, if you blame a lot of other people, chances are you really need to get your ass to this class. Not to mention we talk a lot about all the people-pleasing polls, and I basically walk you through the exact process I take my clients through so that you have a real clear understanding. So you can go check that out at thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. That'll take you right over. You can pick your dates and times. Lots of lots of cool things there for you. Awesome. But a lot of times, you know, kind of this final thought, you aren't being judgy. You aren't being a dick if you ultimately are standing in a place of self-care and saying, this is not healthy for me at this at this point in my life. Yeah. And I will link to a handful of other pods and resources that we have talked about. I think you guys might find it healthy or helpful we did a pod specifically on manifesting friendships, like what to do if you want to call that forth a little bit oh, more. I remember that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've definitely done at least a written article, if not a blog post, about the withdrawals and the deposits. So I'll I'll link to that as well. And also tough conversations. That pod, I think, would be really advantageous for you if you know you need to start speaking up a little bit more about this. But again... Come to the free workshop. I talk a lot about that and about the worth and the enoughness and how that piece infiltrates all of this shit. It makes it so that we think, oh, gosh, maybe I shouldn't speak up. Maybe I shouldn't rock the boat. Maybe I don't tell my friend what I really think. Mm -hmm. And then guess who suffers, right? It's not working. So again, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. Any other final thoughts you wanted to throw into the mix? Hmm. I think for me, the thing that just keeps coming up is just say what needs to be said. Mm. You know, I think, I, I think there's something to that just in general. I mean, we're talking about friendships in particular or, you know, ending a friendship, but I think that's just kind of a common law yeah. of progressing yourself and progressing your relationships is just saying what needs to be said. It's like, yeah, that needs to be said. How do I say it? Exactly. Right. How do I say it with grace and kindness? Like the joy junkie. Right. I think that's the big overwhelming theme that I'm kind of hearing throughout this. It's funny that you say that because I've always thought that a majority of the problems in the world would be solved if we just told the person who we need to tell <laughs> the truth. I couldn't tell them that. I'll tell everybody else the truth, Yeah, but I won't tell that person the truth. Not you. <laughs> not you. Sep you. Sep you. Oh, yes, he can. Whoever he wants. Sep you. Oh my gosh. So funny. I think there's two Adam Sandler or Waterboy. Was it Waterboy? Yeah. That was Waterboy. This this episode. Oh, how funny. Anyway. All right. Quick little recap on the journal questions. Number one, what makes me want to end this friendship? Number two, is there any way he or she could win with me? Number three, what do I need to give voice to in order to be proud of myself? Number four, if I do opt for, well, really with either one, if I'm going to continue the relationship or I'm going to end the friendship, you can opt for a slow fade, gradually fading away. I or, get a picture of that Homer Simpson going into the brush. Have you <laughs> yes, ever seen that? Meme? Yes, totally. Totally. Slow fade. Or you can have a heart to heart about asking for what you need inside the friendship. and. 
that one is likely going to be the case for you who decide that the friendship is not, does not warrant ending. Have that heart to heart. Speak up. And please know that it doesn't make you an asshole for doing so. And I think that's everything then. So we will uh, actually see you at the workshop first and foremost. And then we'll see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith out. Out.